Hello and welcome to episode 153 of In The Move podcast. I'm Callum Reid. And I'm Peter Shepard. And this week's episode comes in a week where um, Lewis Hamilton is currently burning his floral shirts. (laughs) Yes. After the the disgrace that was Wimbledon. Well, I mean... It's it's just so arrogant. He clearly, obviously, the fact that they send like a page long of uh, instructions about what you're supposed to wear to the Royal Box at Wimbledon, and uh, he clearly didn't even bother to read it and just bowled on down there and no. thought that he was above it. So, well, he did look all right. I mean, I thought he scrubbed it well. <laughs> but, well, it's it, but it's just the arrogance that um, uh, it, it, it yeah. doesn't even have to read the instructions. It's like when yeah. you, so it does. It's completely in keeping with the man's character. Um, it's 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 stupid stupidity on his part. Is it a little bit stuffy on Wimbledon's part? I mean, I, is that tradition no, still I, endearing I, no, I, to anyone? I was joking uh, at work, saying that look, at the end of the day, if it's the um, if it's the custom at that uh, club that you uh, wear shirt and tie, then you do it. If it's the custom that you uh, abuse uh, uh, my my blo- the, one of the guys I work with um, in a Bangladeshi accent, then that's what you do. It just depends purely. <laughs> of course, then I start abusing him in a Bangladeshi accent just um, just to under- underscore the point. But <laughs> to his face. <laughs> no, no Bangladeshi films on the podcast this week. No. But um, yes, I mean, it's that's that's how it ha- that's how it happens down there. It's like if you get if you go and meet the Queen, apparently, and um, some woman on the radio was saying this week. When she had to go meet the Queen, it said, "You will wear something on your head. It has to be a hat or a fascinator." So, <laughs> for like one of those garden parties, it's part of the deal. So, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me with Hamilton. Yes. Um, okay. Um, do you have any other sporting news this week? Do we want to talk about the winners of Wimbledon? Um, Hingis, awesome. Uh, hey, oh yes. And, and c- can I just say that somebody might have had a fiver on Djokovic to win three-one. Really? Yeah. Nice. Not bad. Got to win. Got to win sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so the second set tiebreak you were particularly invested in. I was hoping Roger would win it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe he did. It was. But... Yeah, that was an epic tiebreak. Um, yeah, uh, Misa as well. Sanya Misa. I really liked her when she was playing on her own. Yeah, well, she had a huge forehand, but she just uh, had, she couldn't serve properly and. Uh, she, yeah. <laughs> When she used to fall over, it's like she had, she had like a club, um, pro, club, cl- club players' problems with her, sir. But um, I thought you were going to say club foot. No, no club players' problems with her, with her, sir. But uh, she's obviously I mean, she's an extremely attractive girl, and that's why she was um, she's done so well in terms of marketing. But um, fan of the nose stud as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other? Sporting news? Just Man U spending forty million on it and getting a bloody good midfield, but less on that the better. Yeah, it bodes well. But it really bodes well. well. It doesn't bode well for anyone when only two, uh, only Arsenal and Man U have bought a grand total of two players who are defensive. I don't think anyone's going to catch Chelsea unless they actually buy a new defence. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, do you want to say anything about Sterling? Um, he's got what he wanted. Yeah. And Liverpool have got more than he's worth. Mm, true. True that. True that. True that. Okay. So this week's film news. Um, I only have one bit of news and it's a death. Okay. And that would be the death of Omar Sharif. Of course, yes. I heard this the other day. Um, mm. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, he's in, uh, with the David Leans in the 60s, he's in two absolutely epic films uh, that are always going to be remembered. Uh, but then, Zhivago. Yeah, Zhivago and um, Lots of Arabia as well. That's probably mm. one of the greatest entrances in cinema history. Uh, the Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, Sharif coming out of the desert. Um, and that was his nomination, I think, wasn't it? I'm not really sure. Stick. I'm not really sure. Um, probably, it must have been. It was, supporting, it was. Supporting actor? Yes, yeah. supporting oh, it, actor. He was very good. I mean, I prefer him in Zhivago. He won the Globe for Zhivago, which sounds more like yeah. it to me. Um, he won the Globe for Arabia too. Mm. Um, probably uh, the most famous thing... Um, in modern time was uh, he won uh, Venice and the Cesar for Monsieur Ibrahim and um, he's very good in it uh, it's not it's more of a it's very uh, have you seen it what's no what's it about oh uh, it's about <laughs> it's, it's it should be uh, Italian this film quite frankly it's, <laughs> it, it's about a little kid who uh, grows up in the red light district <laughs> and <laughs> she be so he's like the Turkish shop owner, and uh, this uh, young Jewish lad um, uh, befriends him while he's like trying to like um, have sex with a load of prostitutes. Is this um, Channing Tatum's biopic? <laughs> you know, it's it's a very good film. Uh, like Ajani's in it uh, briefly. Um, it, it's a very good film, actually. It's very well made, and uh, Sharif is very good. But um, it's the film not get any traction or foreign language submission or anything um no th- uh, 2003 was oh you're testing me here a different ajani film that was um oh god i can't remember its name uh le voyage bon voyage bon voyage yeah that was the 2003 bon submission for france uh which was better than mo- than the most of the stuff that actually got nominated that year <laughs> but then again that year is the ultimate one for that where you've got stuff like um the Zvigins have the return, reconstruction, missing out, uh, story of the weeping camel. Uh, this is all off the top of my head. There's loads infernal affairs if you like that kind of thing. Uh, the, there's so many um, uh, really big name stuff that year that got submitted but didn't get nominated. Uh, um, yeah. uh, Goodbye Lenin from Germany. I mean, totally not not obscure stuff. Crowd pleasers as well. But um, you had stuff like. Um, uh, the Swedish one uh, set in the dormitory school, gay sub, gay um, content. That that's not happening again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Czech one, Zellery, which is really really good. Uh, that is the one I'd recommend from that from that lot. But and the Barbarian uh, Invasions run. Anna Guys the Rose, but in Zellery is absolutely fantastic. Let's get the positivity out of the way first to start off let's, the podcast. Was that um, was that the L'Enfant? Yeah, or is it? Uh, no, that was uh, a couple of years before. It was the year the Barbarian Invasions won. And uh, yeah, Twin Sisters got nominated from Holland. Um, okay. uh, Zellery, uh, uh, the Swedish one, um, which I think was like Heaven or what's it called? Something. It'll come back to me. Um, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. Okay. That's a pretty good effort. <laughs> that, considering that is, I, I now just out of um, pure curiosity, I want to find out what that fifth one is. <laughs> but moving on, moving on. Okay. Um. Do you have any birthdays this week? I you do. Suddenly take it to, you do realise that we can't do birthdays all the time because then we're going to get to some. You know, we're just going to end up repeating. Oh, but also we. But also, if we do it on, it will shift on to like a Thursday. 
Oh, that's true. Yes, that's, yeah. I never thought about yeah. that, actually. The, the Swedish film I've been going on about is called Evil. It's set in a boarding school. Uh, and the other one, of course, how could I forget? The reason I could forget is because it's really a 2002 film. Twilight Samurai from Japan. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, yeah, so this week, just very quickly, um, we'll just go with best performance off the top of your head. Diane Kruger. Um, farewell, my queen. I'm going to go with The Hunting Party, where she looks like Nadia Petrova. It's hilarious. Um... That's not a good thing, right? I, no, no, it is for the film. It's, it's she's brilliant, <laughs> epic cameo. Forrest Whitaker, happy birthday today as well. Indeed, um, I love him in Ghost Dog with mm. Samurai. I'll be boring and say uh, Last King of Scotland, but I'll give a shout out for the Crying Game. Uh, and here we go. Here it gets interesting. Yes, although accent was terrible. Yeah, Inter- it's where it gets interesting. Irene Jacob. Uh, that would be. I think her best performance is Veronique, but I think the Three Colors Red is the better film. I agree, and I'll go. Uh, and then the Beast, Vincent Landon, happy birthday! Well, <laughs> it's I want to see more of his films, but obviously yeah. we both loved him in Bastards. Yeah, he was great in Bastards. Um, I think my favorite performance piece is probably Welcome. Uh, and then the one only weird director of notes, um, who I think we've only really mentioned a couple of times on the on the podcast, is Anne Fontaine. Recently, you think you mentioned her because she's doing Gemma Bovary. Yes, um, she did that whole Naomi Watts Robin Wright incest film recently, really? <laughs> and she also did Coco uh, before Chanel, which I yeah. did not really care for. I thought it was pretty boring. So. Mm. I think with, with her, there's only really one or two of hers that I actively like. Um, she did uh, How I Killed My Father, which is really turgid and uh, not great. And then Natalie's a film with uh, Emmanuel Bayard, where she's uh, a turn departure. It's the it's what uh, Chloe was based on. Okay. Uh, but it's better than Chloe, but it's still it's still only just decent. Um, then she did a film called uh, In In Your Hands. Or is it in his hand? Entre says you me. reviewed it, the Kristen Scott Thomas. No, 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 no. This is uh, from uh, oh. t- 2000 and uh, might be three actually. It's uh, Isabel Carre and Benoit Polavor. This is a just really, really great thriller. Uh, is he a murderer, isn't, isn't he? Um, while he's getting a, a, a closer, uh, hook, getting his hooks closer into this very um, uh, reserved woman. And it's the sort of thing where if it was if you remade it, uh, you'd have uh, you'd, you'd have a comedy actor like a Jim Carrey or a Brendan Fraser playing the like, really charismatic Izzy Murderer type guy, and then Amy Adams all over for the uh, girl. But uh, <laughs> it's a really really great film, and uh, the girl from Monaco is very uh, very fun. It's a Fabrizio Luchini um, uh, performance piece with um, oh what's the name? Oh, um, uh, no, it's um, goodness, um, Adele Blancsec. Um, what's the name? Oh, you've seen her, you know her. Anyway, carry on. Oh, from the Love Punch. Yes. Um, I've forgotten what she's called. Yeah. Um, it's good. I'm going to kick myself when I do this. Extraordinary Adventures of Adele Blancsec, and the answer is Louise Bourgeois. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Okay, um, so is that it for birthdays? Yes. Okay, so we're going to move on to the red light district. Do you have any? I do, I do. I actually awesome. saw something two days ago, something classic. <laughs> oh, okay, how many have you got, how many have you got then? 
I've got four. I can have a quick go at like at least one other if I have a little thing. Okay, well I'll start with I'll start. We'll alternate until you run out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so firstly I want to start with a film called Manos Sucias, mm-hmm. which translates to Dirty Hands. Um, this was at the East End Film Festival that I was talking about last week. Mm-hmm. It's the last film I saw from it, and it's Colombian. Right. And it's um, officially, I think it's 2014, uh, sadly in Colombia. But mm-hmm. it's a really good story about a couple of brothers who um, get, basically, get lured into um, smuggling drugs in a little fishing boat down the uh, coast of Colombia. Mm-hmm. So they've got all this cocaine in a torpedo under the boat. Um, and Where's Jude Law? <laughs> oh, is that Black Sea? Yes. <laughs> um, and then kind of things go wrong and um, the brothers are reconnecting. They've not spoken in a long time. Uh, and it's only about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. It's just this really, really interesting film it's really interesting and it's a thriller but it's not you know in your face thriller it's kind of you're interested in both sides of it you're interested in the characters and you're also interested in how they're gonna get this you know how they're gonna pull this off it's kind of like the wages of fear meets uh brothers or something i don't know (laughs) but it's it's really good definitely check it out if anybody who it's probably going to play a lot of festivals around europe Mm. Good stuff. Uh, my first one, uh, which is the first one I haven't actually seen before, is Curse of Frankenstein, which has been doing the rounds on TV because uh, obviously Lee, yeah, uh, died recently. Uh, Christopher Lee's playing the uh, Frankenstein's creation, uh, but it's Peter Cushing who's uh, playing Dr. Frankenstein. What year uh, is this? Bit. Is this the 60s? 1957. Wow. It's a hammer horror. And apparently, this is the film that like rejuvenated, like revived the horror um, genre. And for de- for years and years and years and years and years, it was the most profitable film in uh, uh, British uh, cinema history. Wow! Uh, was that was somebody um, needed to revive it because for a long, long time there yeah, wasn't any was... in the forties. You write it off, basically. Yeah, precisely. Um, so uh, the thing with this is uh, Cushing's re- uh, Cushing's really good. Uh, and Christopher Lee, it's really um, makeup uh, laden performance, so it's, he really, really doesn't have anything to do. Um, but the, the better stuff is the trivia, because uh, apparently uh, they'd never, they, this is the first time they've met uh, Lee and Cushing, and Cushing, <laughs> Lee burst into Cushing's <laughs> uh, dressing room complaining, "I haven't got any lines." And he said, "Well, you think you, you've got it? You've got, you haven't got it that bad. I've read the script." <laughs> 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 oh dear but um, yeah um, it's it's good until the uh, horror comes along and that's when it gets laughable um, but uh, and, I mean laughable you could say Hammer Horror is pretty laughable in general yeah. these days but mm. like, yeah it needs to have some but, kind of peril doesn't it mm. the interesting thing was the cleavage-licious uh, Hazel Court is actually uh, who was the uh, uh, main woman in it was is actually from St. Coldfield like me <laughs> Although uh, born a good um, uh, seventy-five years before, it was a very different Sutton Caulfield then. <laughs> yeah, horse and cart, <laughs> horse and cart down the fox and dogs. 
<laughs> That's not a euphemism. No, that is one of my locals. <laughs> oh, God. Um, next, there's a film yeah. called... <laughs> Sorry. There's a film called Human Cry, um, right. which is an Ealing Studios film from the 40s, and Alistair Sim is in it, and basically it's about... Oh, he's good. He was really good, yeah. Have you seen uh, an Inspector Calls? I have. Yeah, he's he just owns that. He does. He? It's I didn't think the film was that good, but no, it's not. It's it's, it's okay. Yeah, no, he was good, and he was good in Green for Danger, which is a great film. Anyway, he pl- sorry. <laughs> what? Sorry, <laughs> we're interrupting viciously with an with an on topic digression there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, so. This kid basically um, happens upon the comic called The Trump, and um, it's got a story in it. And as he's reading the story, he realises that the exact thing that's happening in the story is happening in real life. Um, and the people and the places and situations are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically confronts uh, the editing company about it, the publishing company, and he realises that um, the details are being changed from the author, who's Alistair Sim. The details are being changed by somebody, and it is being used as a undercover um, kind of signal to criminal gangs to, um, you know, meeting places and arranging things like that. See, it started off and it sounded like you were describing Stranger Than Fiction, but by the end you've just gone into uh, Infernal Effects. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, it's this cuddly, you know, it's a cuddly film about, you know, Scooby-Doo style about kids, you know, <laughs> uncovering, you know, sorting out criminals through very mm. cuddly means. Um, and it's fine, I mean, it's not, you know, I would say put it on if well, you know, while you're doing something else. <laughs> nah. Um, but it's like, a, it's a nice afternoon film, you know, that'll pass the time. It's sort of the home alone of its day, you know. Um, um, but yeah, Alice the Sims, hammy enough, always welcome for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Um, one I rewatched recently, don't ask me why. I think it's because I was going to rewatch Popular, but then I thought, well, if I'm going to rewatch Popular, I really should get into some earlier Dewey, so I rewatched Heartbreaker. Nice. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it really is all him, that film. <laughs> it's just, uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, um, it's him, that's his, and then Priceless is her film. Yes. Yeah, And yeah, they yeah. play similar yeah. roles, really, you know. Hmm. Hmm. But, um, I, I think the thing with him in playing the gigolo is, um, I think the natural comparison piece for this is, uh, Priceless, obviously. Yeah. But, um, uh, the uh, interesting thing with this one is that he's just about good-looking enough to make it believable uh, on the face of it, but it's his charm that uh, makes it really believable. It's the bell uh, boost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gigolos, yeah. You, I mean, that's really what you want, isn't it? You wouldn't want some six-foot-three hunk who can't have a conversation. Especially when it's that way around, when it's men, you know, hired out by women. Yeah. Whereas you've got Audrey Tattoo, I mean, size four, 
stunning. Who wouldn't want her on the mantle? Mm. Mm. Or on the arm. Or over the... Uh, over the... Oh, no. <laughs> Keep it clean. Family podcast. Family podcast. <laughs> but is it the same grade, then, for you, this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a four-star film for me. Like a uh, seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, I just it's a shame really that parody doesn't have more to do but um she uh, just has to uh, play it straight and keep it together and um it's it's not really her fault it's just the character doesn't get, doesn't let her do that much yeah um it's is that the one with the dirty dancing yes <laughs> but it's um poor i mean poor andrew lincoln <laughs> oh <laughs> I love really. andrew lincoln he's great <laughs> yeah egg from this life and he finally thinks he's marrying Vanessa Parody, and through no fault of his own, they're perfectly blissfully happily together. <laughs> and the French think this is a really good idea, really good romantic uh, way for somebody else to come in and just steal, steal, steal the uh, the, the supermodel off the uh, English guy. That's their idea of entertainment. It's a bit like that uh, whole thing with Kelly Riley, the Chinese puzzle. <laughs> oh, God. Um. oh dear. Um. Right, next. Okay, and these two films uh, are films that I that we're going to give away this week. Right. We're going to give films away this week on the podcast. It's <laughs> first for everything. It's first for everything. Um, so, but you do have to, it is going to be a competition. So the first of the films, uh, in any case, is another... E- See, what you have to do is you have to write uh, uh, the uh, uh, prologue for an invitation that we're sending out for a party at the weekend. Oh, wait, that's um, Dear White People. Oh, I'm confusing the films we watched this week. <laughs> What's actually happening now? <laughs> we are going to think, I'm not actually sure what the competition's going to be. Um, so mm. wait till the end of the podcast and we will be announcing the competition and it will be on the Facebook mm. page. But in any case, you can win these two films, one of which is called Out, Out of the Clouds from uh, 1952. And um, this is a film about Heathrow Airport, and it's not a documentary. It's sort of like it's set around the airport. It's one of these films that's like an ensemble. Like, have you seen the VIPs? I have seen the VIPs. That's based on a true story where uh, Larry Olivier uh, ran down to uh, the airport to stop Vivian Lee running off with uh, Peter Finch, and the uh, clouds saved him. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a true story. That's rubbish. <laughs> it's true. There's none of that in the film. It's based on an anecdote. Do I got the right one? Yeah, the VIPs, yeah. They're all waiting the VIPs. Taylor, Taylor and Burton? Yeah. Isn't Taylor running off with somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's based on it's based on an anecdote that um, the, the guy who wrote the film got told about Larry Olivier and Viv Lee and Peter Pitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, the film's, isn't it Rod the film's, Taylor? Isn't it Rod, yeah, Rod isn't it Rod Taylor? Taylor? Yeah. yeah. See? <laughs> oh my god. Well, the film's bad. It's not great. And Rutherford, I mean, that's one of the the least liked wins Impressive. ever. It's, Although it's I lo- and I love Rutherford, but she can do a lot better than that. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's like that, except it's more kind of British and informative. So, which actually, I actually quite thought was interesting in that not a lot's changed. <laughs> Yeah. Apart from the logos of the airlines, um, mm. and obviously security, and there's like a really interesting uh, line where an American guy 
basically challenges this woman who says all she wants is security because she's grown up in this war-torn country, etc. And he's and he thinks security, you know, is terrible because he's say he's like, well, we have too much security in America. Mm. And this is in 1952. <laughs> also, and you think not nothing's changed? No, no. Can I just point out? Wasn't Maggie Smith better in the VIPs just from that film? Yeah. I, I, a lot of what I remember was her and Rod Taylor in there uh, having a drink. Mm. Also, we've got to say that Patricia Neal was supporting in her. Are we going to get that? Oh, God. I I don't think it's terrible because I think that she's easily the best in any category. Yeah. So well, well, yeah. In either category. I, so it's it's not exactly... You don't care. Not really, because who else would you give that Best Actress Award to? Rachel Roberts, this sporting life. Okay, I'm not seeing that, but yeah, mm. fair enough. But then outside of that, I agree there isn't much. I think of all bloody hell. I think I'd nominate Hepburn and Charade. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's probably a case of the, the the media might have might have made that happen, you know, and said this. Also, is the, she was a, the performance of the year, you know. Yeah, and also it wasn't that far out of the fifties, so the whole Patricia Neal was a leading actress. Um, yeah. So I think that still had something to do with it back then, because she was a big name. Yeah, that yeah that was when you know I mean Richard Burton was support back to Richard Burton, but Richard Burton was made supporting um, in the fifties because he wasn't a big enough name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, out of the clouds, very you know I'm really informative about the era and about the approach, um, and different in terms of far less security but the same in terms of um, the essence of it as they say so the second one that we're going to give away is uh, Robert Bresson's A Man Escaped which is typical Robert Bresson in that it's really methodical um, whereas you could say no no plot wooden acting uh, (laughs) snooze fest (laughs) (laughs) well it's like the Ohazar Balthazar was about the <laughs> life of an exploited animal. Um, a Diary of a Country Priest was about the life of priests, and it was about his journal entries, etc. And that was methodical in that way. And this is about a guy who's in prison in the prisoner of war camp, who plans to escape very meticulously and has barely, not much dialogue, except for voiceovers. So the guy, the actor, um, has to um, do a lot of physical acting to mirror the voiceovers, basically. Um, Right, right. But it's, I mean, it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely Mm. brilliant. And because you were going on about no plot, but obviously this is this is a plot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there's not a whole lot going on around that, but. I think it benefits from just being, you know, singularly focused on this one guy and there's like there's something really great about the fact that he won't commit. You know, there's people being shot every day and yet he won't just go as soon as he can go. He kind of needs it to be the right time. Um which is really interesting. It's you know, it's Honestly, it's absolutely great. I would say if you're going to pick any Bresson film to... Um, Start with? <laughs> yeah. 
to resurrect any interest, it will be this one. Really? Well, um, is Pickpocket, is that Bresson? That's Bresson, I'm not seeing that. Yeah, I... Uh, I see, uh, I, yeah, uh, I've, se- I've seen that. I think that's quite good, actually. But then the re- it, it, went, it all went downhill after that. Yeah. I, I, it's, cu- it's kind of like the first couple of months under Andre Vich Boas at Chelsea. <laughs> the honeymoon is over. Yeah. Okay, so what's your classic that you watched? No, oh, that was The Curse of Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> Any more? But I, I did buy uh, A Most Wanted Man on Blu-ray, because it's out. And gave it a rewatch of the night, and um, yeah, Hoffman still owns it. The score's still great. Um... I think I um, they probably think it's a little bit better, but probably about the same overall. Um, I just really enjoy it. You... And anything when Nina Hoss is in anything is always good. Yeah, um, Robin Wright as well, really good in that. Mm. Mm. What do you think, Rachel McAdams? Because you rated her quite highly the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing I, I I seem to remember really not buying that um, uh, Will and Defoe would be just doing all this stuff just because McAdams is fit um, but um, so going in the second time I wasn't really that bothered by it because I sort of like knew that it was coming yeah but um, yeah I mean really stylish really stylish and um, has the, the complete Chinatown vibe to the end yeah Anton is one of I mean he's one of the you know the most interesting right hopes <laughs> yeah yeah okay so that was a really a lot of positivity this week. <laughs> I know. Let's let's uh, let's stop that right now and uh, review dear white people uh, after preconceptions. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are doing dear white people, housebound, and song of the sea. Preconceptions for dear white people. Why did you watch this? Because it was out and it was available, and that's it. Well, I knew it was a predominantly black cast, and that is it. I knew nothing about this film. Um, kind of the same for me. I only watched it because you did, although I had heard of it and I did know that it had its fans. Um, right. I didn't know that. I didn't like the title. No. And it's not... I don't know why. I just thought it sounded provocative. Mm. Um, and I thought it sounded like a provocative move to get people in the cinema. Yeah. But that That's wasn't fine. that wasn't a strong enough emotion for it to impact, really. No, no. Uh, what about Housebound? Housebound. I had heard um, positive word about this. I think it's got ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What is it? It's a New Zealand horror comedy thriller. Okay. You just naming genres now. <laughs> No, it's a, it's it's a, it's got horror elements. It's got thriller elements, and okay. it's it's got Funny. jokes. Yeah. So um, I didn't. To be honest, I thought it sounded like one of the better times this week. Yeah. Um, I'm still putting the Amy Winehouse documentary off. That was going to happen tonight, but um, mm. it changed my mind. I might get around mm. to it eventually. Certainly on DVD. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, Song of the Sea. So honestly, I have not seen Secret of Kells, right? Um, which I'm sorry for, um, but I did like the promotional material for this, and I thought it looked nice, um, and I thought it looked different for 
from other animations, which was appealing. Yeah. Um, I have seen... Uh, see- I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I have seen The Secret of Kells. Um, and I thought it, the look of the film was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but I didn't... Uh, it ended up being a bit of a chore because the narrative wasn't particularly strong. Uh, I knew she got nomination. So I went in uh, expecting uh, the same, more of the same, and hoping for a, a bit better. Okay. All right. So tell us about Dear White People. Ah, me? What a shock. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Dear White People is set in a fictional Ivy League college called Winchester um, and centres around a plethora of black students and is a satire on their uh, college experience. And it's also um, Tyler Perry's favourite film. Whatever. <laughs> no, have you watched it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, because they mention him. <laughs> he does several digs at Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about last week, we were talking about the fact that Comet was a first-time screenplay. Uh, this is two, and can you tell? Um... I can't tell from the... Uh, is it a first-time director as well? I think it is his debut, isn't it? I would expect um, so. Yeah, it doesn't look... It lo- it's very well put together. It doesn't look like a debut in the yeah. way that Comet looked like a debut. Okay. Uh, I think it's probably because it's far more assured uh, than Comet was. Yeah, I'd go um, along with that, yeah. And, po- and polished in general. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, with this... Um, yeah, I, I guess my overriding my post conception now is it's about the American college experience, and I'm not really a fan of films about that unless they are straight down the line comedies like your Animal Houses of this world or Road Trip or something like that. Right. Uh, um, when it gets to satire or stuff or that sort of vein on it, uh, have you seen the Rules of Attraction? Yes. About, uh, 12, I actually years. thought I mean, it was all right. <laughs> But it's it's got a lot of really um, distasteful stuff. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Um, so when uh, when it gets to that sort of, level, I mean, I'm not interested in general in this whole. It's sort of it just strikes me as a recycled. I know it's not it's not it's not, not its fault because it's part of American culture. But when you've got the high school movie and you've got all the people who just fit into all these boxes and you got all, you have all the same sort of things that happen in all these high school movies because of, it's the same dynamic. It's the same here. And the problem is that you've seen it all before, and the problem is you didn't care the first time round. Um, I think. So well, I think when the only difference. Sorry. I was going to say when the only difference is you've got a race angle on it, it. That's not enough of an intrigue to make me make me feel any differently about it. I think the or that uh, be any more interested. I think the approach to um, the racial issues and the humour uh, that it uses is enough to get past. That, the triteness. Uh, that to a certain extent. But then the thing is, the problem is when it goes into Mean Girls territory mm, in the last yeah. half an hour. Yeah. And I think the thing is, it does, through the structure, it foreshadows it as this race war that's happened. I wish, <laughs> I honestly wish they hadn't had the beginning. Yeah. And just played it yeah. out normally. Yeah. 
and and when it comes, it is pretty underwhelming, and you sort of you get the point. I, th- um, I think the point, yeah, I think the point is strong and yeah, done well. You, yeah, you get the point that it's completely distasteful and it's really out of line and it's going to be done about it. And apparently, this is based on stuff that's actually happened in America. Um, but when you're all the way through, you've got these these different characters uh, who are involved and. Uh, very few of them are actually that interesting in and of their own right. It's just more. Um, well, there's a there's a scene that's far too on the nose where um, someone there's this little pamphlet that's gone out and it's got a que- it's got a question. Uh, it says, uh, "What do you do in a situation A, B, or C?" And it says, "What you are A, B, or C based on that." And it's a very uh, unusual thing, uh, unusual names. So someone's asking what they are, and so you've got one of the characters explaining what these different types of black people are. While you've got, while it cuts to a couple of the characters that you've already seen, and it's just, it was just way too on the nose for me in that in that moment because you could, you, you, it just doesn't have enough or any. Is that not just satire? Faith. Well, no, but it hasn't got any faith in your intellectual ability to actually pick that yeah, up anyway. Yeah, it's too too overwritten. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, um, I want to say I thought that I did like the film. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Tessa Thompson, who plays uh, Sam, yes, was great. She's the best thing about it. Yeah, and she, the character was so felt so real to me. Um, even at the end, where I kind of think that they push the character into maybe too open a place um, mm-hmm. that she might compared to the beginning, but yeah. the, she just does incredibly well, uh, Tessa Thompson and. It's just every scene with her, I was just glued to her. It's it, Every scene that has her in it is better because she's in it. And the reason that um, it's better because she's in it is because she never plays it uh, in, in on one level. She's always playing it on more than one level. Even when she's doing things that are, um, are ballsy or provocative, there's always an anxiety yeah. uh, or a fear behind that that is palpable in her performance. And there are other... Um, the uh, the main lad who's like the uh, who's Dennis Haybert's son yeah is is a really um uh what is really one note in it yes I'm yeah. not going to say he's an inexpressive actor because it might just be how they want that guy to play that role they, maybe the whole point is that they want someone who is vapid and uh, uh, one dimensional and uh, all he's got is his looks but I mean I, I get that that could be the point and that you have you play it that way to underscore the character but it doesn't come across that well when you're just trying to watch it it's not entertaining in and of itself yeah and then, and then you've got um, the problem the, the, the main problem for me is, is with the is with these characters being um, uh, for the most part two dimensional I think the only reason Thompson uh, gets around that is because of her performance she adds layers to it that aren't necessarily there yeah, I and think the, the the other girl um, is quite good. Who plays Coco? She's it's a committed performance, but the, uh, I, I think my problem with it is less her performance. It's more the characterization. The um, her motivation is so weak and wishy washy c- that she wants she wants to be on a reality show, but she wants her degree. And I never really got why she wanted the um, fame aspect if she was going to go and get a degree from an Ivy League college anyway. But I found I, I found it interesting how what the film says overall about the levels of pride you can have in your heritage or shame because there's definitely a degree of shame that she has for some reason about something um 
And I think it's, it's, I don't know, maybe that's a media thing. Maybe that's an upbringing thing. You know, I don't think the film's too on the nose about that. Um, mm. At the same time, maybe it could do more, but it's an ensemble mm. situation. So it's sort of like, how much do you afford? Um, I wish it had afforded her character more time than the the good-looking guy who you talk about, who's one note, who the thing with his dad yeah. was just not interesting to me. The thing with the dads is really is really trite and overdone, and it doesn't actually say anything that is really of use. Uh, because I mean, okay, fine, you get that these um, uh, uh, these systems in American universities are based on uh, who you know. Okay, fine, uh, it's painfully obvious. You don't have to then create uh, characters uh, running the university whose whose kids are there in order to underscore that. I mean, it doesn't make it. It doesn't make it. I don't find it's a particularly funny film, but um, it doesn't make it any more interesting because of that. There are some great lines. Uh, anything, are, anything, some... culture references where she's like, "Oh, I sat through Birth of a Nation, Gone with the Wind, and all of Tarantino." Mm. I thought it was quite funny. That was yeah. She, she's the, that's the Spike Lee thing, isn't it? Yeah, there was a Spike Lee diss as well. Mm. <laughs> oh, she likes Bergman. Her favorite director was Bergman. Mm. But I and mean, that's the other thing. I mean, uh, with her and the white lad, that, uh, he was good. That's the best part of the film, and it's the also it's the only really interesting one because it's the only one, only part of the film where the race issue is getting in the way of uh, something positive. Yeah. And uh, okay, fine. You could say, well, the race issue is getting in the way of uh, people's education or people's ability to get on in life. But really, they're an Ivy League college, so they're all uh, overprivileged to various degrees. And um, uh, you don't really care if this particular uh, uh, lad gets voted House President or not. It's just, it's, there's nothing good that comes from that. It's just for the guy's vanity. So at least with this, with her and the, and the, the lad, uh, there are um, uh, she's carrying on um, uh, a flirtation with, with with another guy purely because of his race, and I do kind of get that, and I don't dwell on that too much. Um, I think so. The, I think the, that whole strand is the best. The interracial relationship thing, I think, is pretty realistic and positive, and because I mean, speaking from relative experience, but I don't think race—I don't think race will come up as often as it does in this film. But then, um, films and fiction are heightened in general. Mm. But I think the type of humor that is exchanged is really kind of perfect. Um, to you know, it's really flippant and good. It's kind of like it's not. It's above rom com humor because it's got intelligence about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I did enjoy their scenes together, and I thought that she, especially in those scenes, was really good too because she captured the balance between her trying to be um, bolshy and mm-hmm. yet you know, kind of agreeing with everything he said, essentially. I think the best thing between them is when everyone else is knocking on the door and he like, finally just has it and just like walks straight out. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably my favourite scene in the whole film. But, um, yeah, um, I don't I, know. I what, think, what do you think but, about this TV series potential? Th- this whole, that whole subplot, it, it undermines uh, the Coco um, uh, strand because it, it it just makes her, it's, it's, it's it makes her look like a traitor. It's trivialising everything, and I get that that's what they're trying to they're trying to um, poke uh, 
poke fun at and say this is this is dodgy and then of course the really thing that really weakens it for me is the the very last scene and um i, I thought that was way too on the nose as well it's just that's what they're looking for okay fine i get it it doesn't say even a quarter uh against the media that's an even yeah. like gone girl does. yeah the thing is though um, the thing is it's sort of like the they've already um they've already dug the hole dug the grave yeah. to be honest because if you if you start if you pursue something we're into district nine territory you know we're into mm. just abandon something it looks even worse kind of, it looks like you didn't have any faith in it in the first place yeah mm. Mm. i think this could easily be a tv series in the first 30 minutes because it is so diverting because you'll get these sudden montages and these sudden voiceover sequences I think that could work on TV, and I think they could, um, you know, make it engaging for a young audience. Um, I think this kind of loses steam in the way that Mean Girls does a little bit. Yeah, after after the burn book. Yeah, but I still think this has enough. I don't think there's been. I mean, it's you know, try it, but I don't think there's in this in this um, iteration of it. Kind of like the Duff. I don't think there's been anything. That's kind of as bright and um, frankly watchable as this. Um, mm. In you know, great. Um, it's borderline two and three star film for me. Um, because I agree that some some of it is watchable, but I think in too much niggles at me and makes uh, so I'm going to go with a, a high two stars, four out of ten. I'm going to go with a high B minus. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does have issues with it, but I do think the acting is good on the whole. Mm-hmm. All right, so Housebound. Mm-hmm. This is a film from New Zealand because we have to try and rectify uh, <laughs> the last New Zealand film that was on the podcast got eviscerated. Mm. What was that? What we do in the shadows? Yeah. Oof. He was not a fan. Yeah, eviscerated is the word. I didn't hold that. Um, So Housebound, it's about a woman in New Zealand uh, who takes part in the robbery of an ATM deposit box. I didn't even know you could blow up ATMs, but Uh apparently you can. It goes wrong. She ends up getting convicted for it. Um, Because she was under the influence of meth and... um, amphetamines and stuff she gets away with a sentence of 8 months uh, house arrest hence yeah. the title and she's forced to go back to her mother's house even though she hasn't spoken to her in god knows how long mm-hmm. soon after uh, she begins the house arrest she finds out that the mother believes that the house is haunted and from what she sees in the coming days her mother's suspicions may be correct that's quite interesting, slash clever. You like that? For, for a set, I do like that setup. Yeah. Maybe we should have. You should have watched that. She, <laughs> no, no, just because she's got to stay in the house. It's clever. I, I, yeah, she can't leave. Um, and I mean, the film is. I like the film. At first, the lead actress really annoyed me, um, or at least the character because she's so visibly bitter. And it's sort of like um, Mary McDonnell in Passion Fish. 
where you've got her just as soon as she can't use her legs and she just starts swigging the wine and being being a wench awful <laughs> to everyone and it's like her in this film I mean she just she's terrible to her mother she's awful like so ungrateful um um but eventually she gets more tolerable and it's kind of like you can kind of put the irritable irritableness of the character irritability whatever down to the drugs and the withdrawal situation yeah. So I'm kind of putting it down to that, which might be giving the actress a bit more credit than she deserves. But in any case, a mystery happens, um, kind of a third into it, that makes the character show a different side. So that isn't an issue from then on. Um, and the mystery is basically, there's a previous unsolved murder at the house. Mm-hmm. So what... <laughs> So it kind of becomes like Disturbia um, meets The Pact. Yeah, I was getting a bit of a Pact vibe, I don't know why. Yeah, and a lot of The Pact actually. And there's an issue, kind of slight bits of the orphanage in there. Mm -hmm. Bits of the Babadook in there. Uh, Just to bring that one back. Yeah. Um, But it's got this own original quirky antipodean uh, style of humor which brings it through and makes it makes it unique and makes it something that you wouldn't normally see um a horror essentially horror film take that kind of mold to it take that kind of tone to it so that is really interesting um and there's quite a lot of humor in the film um the mother is like <laughs> The mother just will not stop talking, and at one point, there's a serious, really serious situation that happens, and she, she picks up the phone to call the police, and she says to her daughter, "You know, is what am I supposed to say? Is it a murder? Is it an attempted murder?" And it's like it's got really kind of zany humor, Shaun of the Dead esque yeah. bits of humor. It's got all these like, you know, things that it's uh, derived from, but. Um, it's got enough of its own personality to to make it, uh, you know, of itself. Um, it's got a lot of red herrings. It drops in along the way, but it doesn't feel like it's too clever for its own good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know sometimes maybe it's too silly. Um, sometimes the plotting is a bit ridiculous. It's like she knows she gets to know the security guy who basically runs her tag. So she gets to free herself in certain ways. You know, it's not like Disturbia, where Shia LaBeouf is awesome. (laughs) He's my win that year. This is news. It's it's news to the new listeners. They they might turn off then. They might be appalled. Yeah. Well, plenty of reasons for that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... Housebound, really, really great, and um, I would say check it out definitely. It's a really easy watch, and uh, we don't have many New Zealand films on the podcast. And when we do get one worth celebrating, we should probably celebrate it after. And not worth slagging. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh, B. Sorry, did I say that? The great? No. B. 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 Yeah. Terminated Genesis. Oh, I'm on last week's page. Uh, Song of the Sea. 
film of the week. Right. Okay. Good luck. I, you, I, I assume this is me. Good luck. I assume it's me. Okay. <laughs> so, Song of the Sea is, uh, starts off with a, a family. They've got your mum and your dad, and uh, they've got a little boy, and the mum's pregnant, and uh, all is well in their little house. Um, she's putting the... Uh, she, uh, which is uh, on top of a cliff. Uh, Quite a dangerous like, looking cliff, it has to be said. <laughs> and um, uh, as she's putting into bed, she starts having a few uh, problems with pregnancy and then cut to six years later, mom is nowhere around, uh, a little sister who is mute uh, is, and uh, it's clear that they're all on their own. And uh, one day they go down to the beach, the two little kids, the dad's not really interested because he's still depressed, um, must be a, uh, a Birmingham City fan. Um, and, uh, uh the, the girl goes, the girl sees loads of seals and, uh, sort of like wanders out to sea and then the brother tries to stop her. And, um, so it appears that these seals might be appealing to the Selkie legend, um, for anybody who's seen, um, uh, Ondine. You might know something about that. Oh, is um, that the mermaid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um,. Uh, shenanigans ensue when they get uh, taken to live with their grand grandmother, and they try and make a dangerous journey back home to return to daddy. Yes, and it's kind of bonkers. I mean, yeah, but it's... that doesn't matter because it is absolutely beautiful. It's it, it looks incredible, so gorgeous. A human. A, there isn't a human being on this planet that is as gorgeous as this film is. It's just absolutely, you unbelievably could, beautiful. You could spend Pixar and put any amount of money into a pot. Yeah. You cannot replicate this. I don't know how he does no. it. It's um, it's uh, it's breathtakingly beautiful. It's it's st- not just st- staggering. It's not just the colours. It's the landscape itself has got its own. It's basically a character to itself. It's the textures mm. you can see in the drawing. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. It really is. It's a it's a visual wow fest. Um, treat total treat for the senses. It is this is to, it's like a to animation what a one car Y film is to <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. To, to normal cinema. It's just um, dip your eyes in this for ninety minutes. It's uh, and that was it. Kind of it wasn't secret Kells wasn't quite like that but it was still really really gorgeous um but I do think um this uh I think I think this is better than Secret Cows but I do think it does bog down a little bit two thirds of the way through agree uh, when they're on on the journey home and it's such a shame because I mean all things considered this is an average film in terms of the story and what have you it's fine it's it's a it's very quirky uh all that sort of jazz but the presentation Whaps it up by at least a star for me because because it, it, it is just so unbelievably well made. I think that if anything, you can gauge that Tom Moore um, values nature a lot. Um, mm. It's a big ode to nature, the natural mystique of nature, and mm. particularly the sea, but also I mean, it's kind of rural living, and that's promoted heavily, you know, versus city living. Yeah, and it's just the you know the general um, sort of the you know the the landscape itself just seems to be so primarily immer- you know 
a, a big, huge part of the film. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, not in terms of the actual visual style uh, necessarily, but it reminds me a bit of um, Studio Ghibli films in terms yeah. of... Yeah, Spirited Away, definitely. Yeah, uh, a bit with the, the grotesque, with the grandmother and all, all that sort of stuff. But um, what I but I think why I respond to this much more than I respond to uh, those sort of films is because I think this is absolutely so uh, flat and gorgeous. Whereas I don't think that with um, uh, most uh, anime stuff. Yeah. So it's it's really a style issue for me. But um, it it did remind me of uh, Spirited Away, and it does feel very very creative, very imaginative. Um, it's got this spirituality. There's a kind of an well, there's certainly an afterlife vibe. There's kind of a reincarnation vibe about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and the score is absolutely lovely. Uh, the music really adds to the atmosphere. Uh, Celtic, piece. It's nice. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's just really. Uh, it, it, it just all adds into just how well made it is, and um... I I do th- agree with you though. I think uh, some of it is wishy washy when you get to the last half hour, or so. Um... It's really when they get to the old woman's house. Um, that's when I sort of started to, to snooze off a bit. Yeah, I the mother returning. It's very unclear as to how that happens, and in general, I mean, I think. He really wants us to get lost in the visuals of it, which is great. Yeah. But in the same time, it it makes it a bit more sprawling and unclear. Whereas it probably could do with a little bit more structure in terms of what the journey is, mm. and what the Selkie community, or if there's a community, or what that whole thing is in general. It's yeah. it's all a bit in the sky, you know. Yeah, I mean there are. Um... There've been a couple of films re- um, in recent years that have dealt with this sort of thing, um, but um, really, uh, um, so if, if you've seen that sort of stuff, then it helps. You should just go along with it a bit more. Yeah, um, I think it relies quite a bit on um, just that sort of it being a, like a bedtime story type thing. Um, but uh, what do you think of? Um, this in comparison with the other uh, Oscar nominations last year. I mean, you got uh, Box Trolls and uh, How to Train Your Dragon and Big Hero 6 winning. Um, I think that this is the best. I've not seen the Ghibli. Um, Same here. But I think Same this here. is the best. I don't. I would put this... I don't think this is much better than Big Hero 6 as a I film. Agree. But yeah. I think... Certainly, if you're given an animation award away, this is head oh, and shoulders God, yeah. with the rest. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think the last time I thought an animated film was this gorgeous. I think you might have to go back to some like Waz and Gromit and Curse of the Were of it, um, just for just how that, if that was it's not it is cinematography though, isn't it? Because it's stop motion. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's art direction as well. Yeah, it's art, yeah. I mean, the art direction on this is like. Art, but you can see why there part. isn't. Yeah, you can see why there is an art direction um, uh, credit on this hmm. because. It's just fantastic. <laughs> you know, the amount of work that's gone into it, you know, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's probably not that many people that have been involved in it either. When you consider like the three hundred or so people will be on the average Pixar. Yeah, and we'll be watching the Pixar film in two weeks, and 
Mm. You know, it could be amazing, but this is amazing Apparently in a it, different it, way. Yeah, they are, it, the word on the new Pixar is great, so very, very hopeful for that. But um, uh, this is uh, this is one of the most artful animation films that I've seen in recent years. And I did. I mean, I was on the verge of tears. I have to say, it's manipulation. Mm. It's manipulation a little bit towards the end because you got family yeah. elements. But mm. the boy, I think the boy, because I thought he was really annoying at the beginning. Um, but then I thought he became a really lovely character for the film. Mm. I guess that's the um, arc, arc they're going for. Yeah. Mm. Grades for Song of the Sea. <sighs> Seven out of ten. It's a four-star film, purely because of the uh, uh, the, the 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 look of it. I'm with you. Um, I'm B for this, but um, I think that it could have been higher. It probably was higher halfway through, but certainly um, a very worthy nominee. And definitely check this out. It's great that yeah. this has been nominated. People might check this out now, and that it's at Cineworld as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we are on Shag Mario Kill. Right, so I have to shag House Band because uh, I've only seen the other two, and it's an easy choice for me. I would um, marry Song of the Sea because I could have that on the background and look at that every weekend for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I'd kill Dear White People because it's not Song of the Sea. Mm-hmm. This is difficult for me because I liked all three of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would certainly. Marry Song of the Sea. Mm. I think, honestly, I would shag D White People because I feel yeah. like I've got all that I would get out of Housebound, whereas I, mm. there's probably more nuances in Dear White People to get from second viewing. Mm-hmm. So I'd kill Housebound, but all of the films were good this week, which, I mean, there's been weeks where I'm not given anything above a C, plus, so. Mm. Yeah. The Pootsition? Hmm. Poots. Um, lot, there's uh, lots of women in this. White people, there's three nice but no's. Uh, and then obviously in Song of the Sea, uh, there isn't really anybody at all because they're all animated. So it's an easy week for Pootsition mm. is first. Um, okay. Uh, the Garrett Gage, we have Dear White People, Brandon Bell, who plays um, the is it Ty what's he called the main guy Dennis Haysbert's son yes is absolute yes yeah I thought so Um, the white boyfriend is nice but no Mm -hmm. the afro guy is a no Mm -hmm. and everybody else in it is no but you know Mm. decent decent spread wouldn't say no at a racist party (laughs) Uh, <laughs> or as we call them in certain Caulfield a party. <laughs> Sorry. As we call it in certain Caulfield, lunch. Yeah. Day that ends in wine. Um, <laughs> housebound do the only guy in it is a security guard who's a no. Mm-hmm. And uh, Song of the Sea is animated, so it's a 2.0 on the gauge for Garrett. Mm. Good stuff. Next week, now... We have Tarsum next week Do we? with Selfless, which is a Ryan Reynolds film, um, which looks sci-fi-esque. So, 
in honor of Tarsum, basically the competition this week is you have to write in. Um, you don't have to write much. It's not an essay, but if people you, are rolling their eyes already, Cal. If you would like, if you would like to win uh, a copy of Robert Breslin's *A Man Escaped* and uh, *Out of the Clouds* from Ealing Studios, 1952, yeah. you can say who you think that Pete, um, the most interesting person that Pete uh, could be locked in a cell with, and the reason why. Oh, so we've got to pick the most creative answer. Yes, we, we'll okay. pick the most creative answer to win these prizes. So if you think there's anybody... Uh, well, there's most plenty of people, really. Anyone most behaves. interesting person that I'd be locked in. A, so it could be someone that I could, could really like. I mean, for, yeah. so for me, that would be interesting. That's true. <laughs> to be locked in a cell with. Yeah, but would it be interesting for the podcast? Probably not. Christy Turlington, circa 1994. <laughs> that would be interesting. Cindy Crawford. <laughs> so yes, um, so apart from Tarsum next week, we have Ant-Man. Which is getting surprisingly good word, actually. Is it? Mm. Uh, we have the return of Olivia Hirschbeagle. Oh, great. In 13 minutes, which is also a film about Adolf Hitler. No, really? Um... There's a film called True Story with James Franco in it and Felicity Jones. And there's a film called The Wonders, which was at Cannes last year. Hmm. So we have options next week. I imagine the Tarsum will be available, Ant-Man will be available, and James Franco is always around the block. So Yeah, he's, he's like, you just can't get rid of him. Uh, do you have a jam? I do not have a jam. Why? Moments. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't really listen to stuff at work that requires uh, it being stuff being new. I wait for stuff to get popular and then they play it. <laughs> Did you hear about the attack on music this week from Morrissey? Yeah, and I think every single word. I, think I don't like Morrissey. I but well, he, well, you I don't like the music. No. Oh, what? Uh, but I uh, agree with every word. Definitely. Definitely. Which means that we have to end with the Smiths. <laughs> Heaven knows I'm miserable now. <laughs> I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour But heaven knows I'm miserable now I was looking for a job and then I found a job And heaven knows I'm miserable now In my life Why do I give valuable time To people who don't care if I Good job.
what she asked of me at the end of the day. Caligula would have blushed. Oh, you've been in the house too long, she said. And I naturally fled. Happy in the haze. 